Welcome to episode 52 of I Thought I Knew How, a podcast about knitting and life and all sorts. I'm your host, Anne Frost, and this episode was recorded on January 28th, 2021. Today is a different sort of day because I am feeling a different sort of way. Let's get through some administrative tasks and then I'll tell you what I'm on about. First, I want to thank all of you who reached out to me with your encouragement over the last few weeks since the last episode. I am really honored that you guys have my back. Thanks to Lynn for buying me a coffee and to Mimi Knitter, Sewing All Day Long and Handheld Nonsense for your kind reviews on Apple Podcasts. Also, many thanks to Jillian and Kathy for coming on as producers of the show over on patreon.com slash I thought I knew how. You all were complete peaches in a couple of weeks when I needed some peaches in my life. I also want to thank Knit New Haven and Morehouse Farm at the top of the show this time for their sponsorship of the podcast. I normally speak about them sort of midway through, but as I said, this is going to be an odd episode, so I want to make sure that I acknowledge them up front. This last year has forced people into business models they didn't necessarily sign up for, and I am so very truly impressed with the tenacity of these business owners who have had to cancel things and rework how they interact with their customers. I was just over at knitnewhaven.com and saw that while their new online store is not fully stocked yet, it is functioning. And the Harrisville Designs Nightshades and Daylights are up, so I picked up a few hanks of the Daylights in Caffeine. I gave up my Coke Zeros a few weeks ago, so I guess this is how I will be getting my caffeine hit going forward. Check out their growing online shop at knitnewhaven.com. There is a knitter's backpack up there from Ritual Dyes that is beautiful. Morehouse Farm already had an online store when all of this started, but between COVID and an out-of-control Facebook algorithm, some plans have been accelerated to create a spot on the web devoted to fans of Morehouse Yarn who want to take part in knit-alongs, receive custom knitting instruction, and interact with other knitters without all the ads and distractions that come from traditional social media. Isn't it weird? Doesn't it feel weird that we talk about traditional social media? It's been around so long now that there's traditional social media and there's these new forms cropping up. I'm starting to feel old. (laughs) Learn more about the changes coming to the Morehouse Merino Flock by visiting morehousemerinoflock.com. I uh, also picked up some Morehouse last night. So let it be known I made it to January 27th before I bought any new yarn. I bought two hanks from New Haven. I bought two hanks from Morehouse for the upcoming Atlas headband knit along. I got violet and soft blue and I'm going to actually try and knit it as a cowl and it will go to one of my daughters. It's a double knitting project and I'm not solid on double knitting and I hadn't planned on doing this project but when I saw it was double knitting I thought okay this is going to be a good way for me to improve that skill. So I'm going to be joining in on that knit along. Have a look. Go to the website morehousefarm.com, follow the link to the knit kits, and click the the section for hats, and it's the first one on the page there. I have a new project over on Instagram in my Reels area called 30 Second Interviews. There should be eight out by the time this episode releases, and it's just what it sounds like. It's a 30-second interview with someone in the knitting community. So far, I've interviewed um, Chris Dyer, Jana Knits from the Pearl Together podcast, Amy Snell, 
Duke of Nico, Aaron Pirro, Jolene Garriach, Terry Laura, and Hazel Tyndall. The feedback has been really great. My interviewees have been having a lot of fun with it. Find me there as I thought I knew how and click the reels button that looks like one of those clackerboard things that they use before they start shooting a scene. It has a little play arrow on it too, like the little take one clack, like that's what it looks like. (laughs) Click on that and it will get you to the reels and you can see them all there. And of course, I'll put a link in the show notes. So you may well be wondering what is going on in Anne land with all this out of order segmenting of the show. And I don't blame you. I very rarely break from the format of the show, but I sat down to prepare this episode and was having serious difficulty with it. The other day in the patron online knitting time, my producer Jane from London asked how I was doing with all the lockdown stuff. And I told her the truth. I'm not coping well. This is a realization I came to just a few days before. Had I been asked on like Sunday, I'd have said, oh, I'm fine. I'm moving on and along. But the truth is that all of the changes have finally caught up with me and I am feeling it. The way I have been coping so far has been by throwing myself at my work. And I'm to the point where I feel like I'm in a cartoon and I've been struck by a giant ball of snow rolling down a hill and I'm just moving along down the hill attached to this giant ball of snow and I have no way to apply the brakes. So today with this episode, I'm making a conscious decision to put on the brakes. I would like to go for a walk and I would like you to come along with me. We're going to leave my drawing room and head to the rails to trails that passes very near my home and we'll talk about what we talk about. I'm hoping to spend a lovely half hour or so with you, and if you'd like to join me in a more complete way, go put on your boots or shoes and grab your coat. I'm going to play a piece of music here. I'm not even sure what it will be yet, but I will put the information for it in the show notes. That should give you time to get ready to walk along with me if you'd like. I'm going to get myself ready and get to the parking area for the walking path, and I'll meet you there. Here's a song. Enjoy it. You were lost in the city when I finally came. You were standing with strangers when I called your name. And I called to your heart just as loud as a train. Cause whenever you're lonely, I feel the same And I've loved you forever And it's hard to explain Long before Cain and Abel When God made the rain Yes, I've loved you forever From the moment time began When my soul on the earth See to the land, girl. I've loved you forever, both wild and tame, with a love old and ancient, and so unashamed. You were alone in the crowd, my saving grace. When our lips came together, and I held your face, 
And I called to your heart In a voice loud and plain Cause whenever you're hurting Life is and I've loved you forever And it's hard to explain Long before Cain and Abel God made the rain Yes, I've loved you forever From the moment time began When my soul on the earth From the sea to the land Girl, I've loved you forever Wild and tame With a love All in nature So unashamed And when the phone Doesn't ring I guess the lines must be down And the mailman Ain't stopped In this little town And the poem all the horses came up lame But I don't hear from you They're all to blame Yes, I've loved you forever And it's hard to explain Long before Cain and Abel God made the rain Yes, I've loved you moment time began when my soul on the earth from the sea to the land girl I've loved you forever both wild and tame with a love all an angel so That actually worked out perfectly because as I was getting ready to walk out the door my husband caught up to me and said hey can you help me get Abby's car to the mechanic <laughs> so we both hopped in our cars and delivered my daughter's car to the mechanic and then he dropped me off at the parking lot on the way back so I'm here on the walking path now and this used to be the train line from somewhere down south up into New England. New England used to grow most of the vegetables in the United States um, way back when. And to help transport those vegetables to the cities, they uh, built a bunch of railway lines that, of course, have gone defunct, have become defunct, no longer in demand. And uh, a lot of those trails, or sorry, a lot of those lines just stayed where they were, even, you know, through up to 30 years ago. And people started thinking, hey, why don't we convert these into walking trails? So 
people put money into pulling up the old lines and paving the lines. And now we have all these beautiful rails to trails through the New England area that take you through woods and marshes and farmland and behind people's houses. And they're hugely popular as evidenced by the fact that it is 35 degrees right now, which is about two degrees Celsius. And it snowed some birds <laughs> and it snowed the other day. Um, and the town does not clear the paths at all. They don't even plow the parking areas. It's considered closed during the winter. And I'm about to pass two other people out walking. I've already seen one car pull out of the parking lot having finished their walk. And the footsteps along the way. Um, good morning. The footsteps along the path are evidence that there's been about a dozen people out since the snow fell. That couple I just said good morning to, I see them out here all the time. I secretly love them. <laughs> I have no idea what their names are, but they're always out walking together and they're always happy. It's a nice sight to see. I'm out here in our winter wonderland. It has not really snowed that much this year. And so I've actually been able to get a lot of walking in and it's been quite nice. And I don't really want to stop just because there's snow on the ground. So here I am out here having a different kind of podcast experience. As I'm walking, I'm sure you can imagine what I'm wearing, right? <laughs> I am covered head to foot in wool. I have wool leggings and a wool shirt and a wool overshirt that has like a zip top to it all of which I got at REI simply because they're the most affordable options out there. I love them all. And normally that's all I would be wearing on my body, but because of the recording I'm doing right now, I need more pockets. <laughs> None of those things have pockets. So I am wearing a jacket as well, just for the pockets. I have on my wool socks and my wool allbirds and I am wearing a pair of fingerless gloves that I got at a yarn shop on Commerce Street in Shetland and I am wearing the bitter sea hat that I knit from Jeanette Budge's pattern that is very thick and warm and very stylish with my poppy's pom-pom on top, if I do say so myself. And we're out here now, enough away from the road. And we're not getting road sounds anymore, but you may hear some airplanes overhead from time to time. We have the Hartford Airport and a smaller regional airport 
that we are in the flight path of. So sometimes we'll hear some airplanes going overhead. Let's talk about some knitting stuff, shall we? It's a knitting podcast. I have had high hopes about getting the Master Hand Knitting Program going again, and it is not happening, which is one of my major frustrations at the moment. There just has not been time in the day. I have my rolling to-do list with my six things at the top that I need to do every day. And I'm still just to the point where I'm getting four of those things done because the other to-do listy things that rotate have just been too demanding. It's a new day, it's a new week. I'm gonna try again to find a way to get that back into my routine. The festival is in full planning mode. That's the Online International Fiber Festival for those of you who may be new here. It has a new home, oifiberfestival.com, and the old festival is there. There's going to be a redesign of the site before the new festival. You will need to log in to participate, but it will still be free. I have settled on all eight regions There is one region in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. again, but that's all I'm telling you. Uh, I should be announcing what they are on February 27th. February 27th. We're actually going to do a live event for it this year, so hold tight for more information about that. The regular website also is having an overhaul. If you go to ithoughtiknewhow.com, you will be able to see the old website on the new address. But in the background, my uh, website guy has a website that he's working on that will hopefully go live in the next week or two that will allow me to uh, better organize my posts there and make things easier for you to find and just sort of look cooler because he knows what he's doing I do not (laughs) I put the website together with the help of a friend the first time and it was really just sort of like let's get it up and going and it stayed like that and it's needed some upgrading so like I said that's going to be at ithoughtiknewhow.com And you can start using it there. That's where I'll be posting show notes and stuff going forward, even though the design hasn't changed yet. I'm not going to be adding updates to the old podcast or to the old website. The other day was interesting. We already know we're out here walking because Anne was stressed. It was, today is a better day. Today's feeling better. Yesterday, after about 10 a.m. was better. But I went to bed on Tuesday and got up on Wednesday feeling very anxious, very um, overwhelmed with 
life and commitments and not seeing people, not hugging people, just what we're all dealing with with this, right? And what changed? Well, I've mentioned before that Helen Robertson up on Shetland is doing these mindful Mackin experiences where uh, 15 of us log in and we all say our hellos and introduce ourselves and then she gives us a little project to knit. We knit in silence for 10 minutes and think about the texture of the wool we're using, the experience of forming the stitches, the process of creating, and we're encouraged to really treat it like a meditation where if our mind starts to wander, we bring it back to the experience at hand, literally, and to think about again, um, what our senses are experiencing at the moment and just be very, very present. And while we were doing that the other day, um, we were working on a little bow that you knit a stockinette or sorry, a garter stitch, um, strip and connect the top to the bottom, knit a narrower garter stitch strip to tie around the middle to pull it close as a uh, as the middle of the bow and it makes a bow shape. Very simple project. And once we settled into the silence portion and I really focused on the experience of knitting and just pushing things out of my mind that I did not need to deal with in that moment, things started to feel more manageable. And I came out of that experience feeling much lighter and like I could get things done and I had a very productive day yesterday and feeling a little better this morning and I think that sometimes having this podcast and um, trying to make connections with people and arrange for interviews and things like that can make the knitting become a chore rather than uh, a soothing experience. And hey, for a very long time, knitting was a chore. It was a necessary chore. It was a demand on our time. We had to clothe our families. We had to make some money to feed our families. This was a way women and men were able to do that wherever they were. So I get that, but that's not how we think about it today. And so sometimes all the knitting I'm doing feels like 
work. <laughs> and so it's been nice to uh, refocus. And I am going to be trying to have more quiet moments with my knitting as I go forward rather than thinking about the next thing I need to be doing or how can I get in touch with this person or who hasn't returned an email yet or who do I need to follow up with and just have those quiet moments in my day as I knit where the focus is just on the moment. So I'm actually getting to a point in the walking path where I'm approaching another road. You might hear more sounds from cars as we get closer to the road. And I'm not sure, this is a new microphone. I'm not sure how much it's picking up from the road. I'm still about 75 yards away. Um, but I think what I'm gonna do is take a little break and I will put a song in here as I get to the road and uh, that will fill that three or four minutes that it will take me to get to the road and turn back around and get away from the road again. So I'll meet you about here on the path again after I've done my turnaround and we'll pick up our conversation.
Okay, so I'm back, walking back, and that actually ended up being very serendipitous because as I was walking back, a 747 went by overhead (laughs) and would have messed up the recording, so good timing, plain people. I am enjoying the sounds of the woods as I walk through them. Of course, now that I'm moving again, everything's gone quiet. So I think I'm going to pause in a moment and just stand still. I'm not sure how much the microphone will pick up. So if it picks up nothing, we'll just have some nice quiet time. (laughs) And then I will uh, come back to you because I'd like you to hear It's an interesting blend. I'm getting just the tail of the sound from the road. And like I said, some small airplanes going overhead. I can hear one coming in the distance. But there's also, even though there's snow, there's lots of birds that stick around for the winter. And I've been hearing some of them calling as I've gone along. So I'm just gonna pause here for a moment and see if any say hello. I think I'm out of luck. I think they're on to me just hearing the human noises at the moment. So I'll continue along. So as I'm walking back, I want to share a few other things I have been uh, listening to as I do my knitting that I found very interesting. Before I do that though, I forgot about two of the things I'm wearing. One of them is the uh, Trotternish cowl, which is named after the Trotternish um, mountain range on the Isle of Skye. And this was designed for Shillister Yarns, uh, which is what I used to knit it out of. And I think my gauge was a little tighter than called for, because if you see the pictures, it sort of dangles down on your chest a little. Mine fits a little more snugly around my neck and it works really well on cold days like this. The other thing I'm wearing is coconut oil. (laughs) This is something I learned about a few years back. Um, Some people who live in very cold climates have traditionally coated their faces and exposed skin in oil when they've had to be out in the cold because it helps keep the heat in. And I gave it a try one day with coconut oil rather than like blubber or animal fat. And I found it works really, really well. And I end up with nice soft skin at the end of it. I'm walking through some trees now and the wind is blowing and 
the snow is falling off the branches and it's like a second snowfall. It's lovely. Anyway, as I said, I have been reading every day. That's one of the things I've been trying to do every day is reading something with my eyes other than the internet or my computer screen. And the book that I'm reading now is called The Run of the Mill by a fellow named Dunwell. And it's a history and pictorial history of factory towns in the northeastern United States. And it contains lots of uh, prints and photographs through the years. It was written in the 70s, I want to say. So the story stops pretty early. A lot of the last struggling mill towns have given up the ghost as far as factory work is concerned since that time. Uh, but I'm still in the very early ages of the book, the very early history of the book. And it's been really interesting so far. It is out of print, but there are copies on used bookstores like Powell's and Amazon, things like that. You can find it there. One thing I really enjoyed about it was just a very, you know, like a paragraph or two talking about how merino sheep came to be in the United States. And it was a man who was a ambassador to Europe early on in the days of our Republic and saw the Merino there and decided to import some for himself. And he actually founded a town, a factory town called Derby here in Connecticut and brought in like a hundred sheep. It was like 70 ewes and 29 rams, something like that, and started racing merinos. He wasn't the only one. There were other people who imported them around the same time. And within something like 20 or 40 years, there was well over a million head of merino just in Vermont alone. And there was a bit of a crash after that because, you know, the market was flooded with wool. It's also when cotton was rising in popularity. But then of course, the Civil War started and they needed wool for the uniforms. So there was another boom and then again, dipped again after that. And so now we have, we still have some smaller farms without the millions of heads of Merino, but we have smaller establishments throughout New England and New York uh, that are still raising merino but the the local merino lost its fineness of its fleece because after the civil war crash uh, they were valued more for their meat um, and that's why like morehouse farm makes such a big deal about getting the ultra fine or the super fine merino rams from australia to come and start breeding uh, super fine merino again with a focus on the wool. And that's why we have our wonderful soft Morehouse Merino yarn. 
So I thought that was interesting. But I also enjoyed reading about the formation of Lowell, Massachusetts, and how the factories, factory owners used to put up a factory, put up housing, and bring in the whole family. The moms would have certain work, the dads would have certain work, and the children would have certain work. And so the factory towns very early on were family affairs. They would actively look for families who could come, move to the town, and everyone work at the mill. With Lowell, the types of machinery had changed, and they realized that all these uh, New England farm girls were the perfect workforce. So rather than building houses, they built boarding houses, and they brought girls from all over the country to Lowell. And to read their accounts at the beginning, it was really seen as an amazing opportunity. The girls really enjoyed being there. You can imagine coming from extremely rural settings, suddenly having four or six roommates all the same age as you. In many cases, they were working fewer hours in the factory than they were in their home setting. So they had leisure time. They were there to pay off family mortgages, to fund brothers' educations, to save money for themselves, for their own educations, for their own luxury items. And they weren't expected to be there their whole life. The average amount of time was three years, and that was something that the factory liked. They liked people coming in and out. You were expected to work for at least a year. If you didn't stay for a year, you didn't get a recommendation afterwards. Uh, but they did expect the girls to be in and out and to move on with their lives. And they liked that because it kept people from getting uh, overwhelmed and grumpy <laughs> about the work. Now, the point where I am in the history is just at the start of when things start to go downhill for the workers. So it does not stay that way. But it's interesting that uh, it was such a benefit at the beginning. So I would recommend that book. I am only about a quarter of the way through the history part. A lot of the book is given over to modern photos and interviews with modern factory workers who are sort of at the end of their careers. But I haven't gotten to that bit yet. But if you find a copy, The Run of the Mill by Dunwell. I have been listening to three books that I've really enjoyed. The first is Raven Black by Anne Cleves. This is the first series of the Shetland series, if you watch the show. My understanding is that the book ends differently. I'm not quite done with the book. I have an hour and a half to go. So far, I feel like it's leading me to the same conclusion as the show, but maybe it's not this one that ends differently. Maybe it's one of the other ones in the series that ends differently. Anyway, very well written. I've been enjoying that. Good mystery. The other one was recommended to me by 
my patron Lynn. I've just started listening to it. It's called London by Edward Rutherford. And it's something like a 46 hour book. It's a big sprawling epic sort of book. The first chapter was something like an hour and a half, two hours long. And it covers the pre-Roman era. So you're following a boy whose father is in the army that's going out to try to uh, repel the Roman forces. And I've just started the second chapter, which is about Roman London. You can tell he's put quite a bit of research into it, but it's not... Uh, he does stop to explain what things are, but it's not overburdened with explanation. It's good, solid story. And then the third one I really like because it is self-contained encapsulated stories, uh, encapsulated mysteries. It's called The Early Cases of Hercule Perrault, which is, of course... Um, an Agatha Christie book and it's a collection of short stories about Poirot and the entire mystery is presented and solved in 20 to 30 minutes so it's perfect for days like this when I get to get out for a walk or I need to drive into town to do some shopping I can just put one on and by the time I'm done I know who did it so I wanted to pass those along to you uh, as well. Whoops, I almost took a tumble there. Came through a little bit of an icy area. The path here, almost back to the start, has a stream that runs right along one side. The other side also has a stream, but it's filled in more. It's more of a marshy area at this point. But even though it is only barely above freezing, there's enough movement in the stream that it's still flowing and it's very full so it's not making much noise I'm stopped where there is a bit of a hedge on the other side of the stream and it's just full of birds I hope you could hear some of that. They're having little conversations amongst themselves and not paying me much mind. <sighs> Thank you for indulging me. I needed to do something a little different today. Oh, I found a bit of stream. Let me see if I can get this on the sound. We have just a little bit of a waterfall. Sounds really nice in person. I hope the mic picked it up. 
There's just a little ready order place right there for us. Just as I was saying, it's not making sound where the stream is narrowed and it drops about six inches. So I hope you could hear that. There's more birds around here too. I am behind people's houses right now and I think there's more birds here because of bird feeders. I am getting very close to the road now, so I am going to say goodbye and thank you. And I hope you've enjoyed my ramblings for today. I won't do this probably again, <laughs> but it's been very nice for me to have a different sort of conversation today. And I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you were able to get out and do some walking too, or maybe just sit and spin or sit and knit or just have a calmer drive to work let's all try and do better in this coming week focusing on the moment and the things we can control and not letting the things we can't become overwhelming Place that's far away will 
live high on a hilltop We'll never go to town I promise Emily So I'm back in my drawing room now, feeling a little better, feeling a little bit like some deviation from the norm has helped loosen up some things. So I appreciate that you indulged me in this and things should probably be back to normal in our next episode. Thank you for listening and walking and knitting with me for a bit. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash I thought I knew how and make a monthly pledge. You may also consider making a purchase from one of our sponsors by visiting the website I thought I knew how.com and clicking the link at the top that says be a booster. While you're on the site, you can also find the show notes for each episode. Thank you ever so much to my patrons, to Knit New Haven, and to Morehouse Farm for sponsoring the podcast. Find me on my social media accounts as I thought I knew how, except on Twitter, where it's just thought I knew how. The groups on various platforms are all called I Thought I Knew How Podcast. Until next time, may you be blessed with stitches that never drop, yarn without joins, and plenty of time to knit. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.